Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Thanks, Mark. We continue our series this morning of looking at taking up our cross as we prepare for for Easter. We pick up the theme for our church of the year of consecration and what it means to be set apart for, for God and what it means, therefore, to to take up our cross and follow in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus. And you might remember in the first week we looked at Peter, who was one who failed to pick up his cross in denying Jesus. He, he failed to deny himself and instead denied his saviour. But we saw, thankfully, in the grace of God that Peter was restored, as we too can be restored when we fail to take up our cross sometimes. Last week we looked at the fact that in Luke 23 there are four crosses and we saw, thankfully, that three people bore their cross well, but one didn't. And he stood as a warning to us that in our bearing of the cross, the bearing of the suffering that we carry, whether that be in the health realm or in the emotional realm or in the financial realm or the work world, wherever it is, that we can carry our cross well with honour and dignity or we can carry our cross badly with dishonour and shame. And the challenge for us to, again, follow the footsteps of our Saviour Jesus who bore his cross well. Today we're going to look at the ransom that Jesus paid, the the metaphor of the ransom that Jesus used to describe his death on the cross and see the implications that that has for us as we follow Jesus and carry our cross. One of the biggest ransoms ever paid was that paid for Richard I of England, Richard the Lionheart, the Crusader. In 1192, he was captured in Germany and imprisoned by King Henry VIII, the Holy Roman Empire. And he demanded £150,000 of silver in order to release King Richard I. Immediately, Richard's brother, John, offered Henry VI £80,000 of silver not to release Richard, like a good sibling that he was. But his mother went around trying to raise, another Eleanor tries to raise £150,000 of silver. It's estimated that that was two to three times the total annual income of the British crown at that time. It's an incredibly vast ransom that was called for. The way that the government raised that amount of money to ransom Richard was to impose a 25% tax on all property as a one-off levy. So 25% of whatever property you own, you have to pay to to the government, pay to the king or the kingdom in order to release Richard. There was also all of the churches were raided and all of any silver or gold or anything of value in any of the churches was taken and sold and converted into silver in order to be able to pay the ransom. Huge, huge ransom, major impact. And uh, in 1194, Richard was released. Jesus also picks up the language of ransom in Matthew 20, 28. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, the ransom metaphor was common in the, in the ancient world. It often happened with soldiers who were captured during battle, that rather than killing them, they would take them captive, send message to the, uh, the side they defeated and say, if you want your soldier back, there's a ransom to pay. 
and kings or villages or families would be familiar with the idea of raising a ransom in order to pay the price to buy somebody back who had been taken captive. And so we've always, the church has for a long time, understood that one way to understand the cross is to understand that there was a ransom paid by Jesus. But for many people down through the centuries, the next question has been, who is the ransom paid to? One of the early theories uh, developed by a guy called Bernard of Clairvaux was that the ransom was paid to the devil. That we are sinners, we are captives to sin, and Satan, the devil, is the prince of this world. And therefore, in order to buy us back from our enslavery to Satan, Jesus' death on the cross was the ransom that was paid to the devil. Slightly more uh, elaborate, a little bit later on, when the reformers picked up the ideas of Peter Lombard, who who was the first to say that actually, no, it wasn't paid to the devil as a strict transaction, but it was actually a trap by God. God was tricking the devil. And so when Satan saw that Jesus was vulnerable, he he arranged for Jesus to be killed, not realising that when Jesus was killed, he would then be raised from the dead and that that would be the ultimate defeat of Satan. And so uh, Luther and, and others picked up this idea and would quote Lombard, who said the cross was a trap, baited with the blood of Christ. Probably the more familiar understanding of who the payment of the ransom goes to is the understanding of the Father. So there was a price to be paid for our sins and in his justice, the Father could not allow that sin or that that punishment to go unpaid and so he offered his son Jesus as the sacrifice in our place. And Jesus, in his death, paid the price, the sacrificial price that we should have paid for our sins. Problem is, that idea has a few prickly theological consequences. The first is, how can a just God purvey a miscarriage of justice like that? How could a just father allow his innocent son to suffer for guilty offenders like you and I? Far from upholding justice, that is a, a miscarriage of justice. And, and to think it through further, what sort of father would allow his innocent son to be sacrificed for guilty people? Some people have labelled it divine child abuse. The other prickly theological consequence of thinking of the ransom in, as a payment to the Father from the Son is, is the fact that throughout the Bible, God indicates that he is willing to forgive. famous verse in Psalm 123, which picks up the description of God in the Old Testament, is, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, he will not always accuse, nor will he honour his or will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. And so if God is, is willing to forgive us for our sin and has always been willing to forgive us for our sin, 
Why did he need a ransom? Either he needed a payment or he was willing to forgive. It's logically inconsistent to assume both. So how then are we to think about the metaphor of the ransom for the cross of Jesus? I think it's more helpful to think about it as that the focus of the metaphor is not who was the ransom paid to. The focus of the metaphor Jesus was using was that there was a need for a ransom and that he was willing to pay the price in order to forgive. And it makes sense when you think about forgiveness. Forgiveness always has and always will require a sacrifice. Forgiveness always requires someone to pay the price in order to give that forgiveness. For example, if your little brother or your little sister hits you and hurts you, you have the right, technically, to retaliate, to claim revenge, to punish them back, to do back to them whatever it was that they did back to you. But you also have the choice to sacrifice your rights in order to forgive. You also have the choice to give up your right to retaliation, your right to restoration, your right to restitution in order that forgiveness can occur. If you have a friend who who says something that hurts you with their careless words, you can claim the right to say something hurtful back to them You can claim the right to to freeze them out of the relationship if you wanted to. You can claim whatever right you want. Or you can choose to sacrifice your right to restitution, to revenge, for the sake of relationship. If your workmate criticises you unfairly at work, you have the right to criticise them back. But you've also got the choice to sacrifice your rights, to sacrifice your pain, to sacrifice your disappointment and to forgive them as an act of ransom. Now, they're fairly petty examples, but the same principle applies whether it's a small offence or a big offence. The difference being when it's a big offence, the price, the sacrifice, is bigger. And to pick up the language of Jesus, the ransom is bigger. And if we can begin to to think about the cross, not in terms of, of who was receiving the ransom, but to think about the ransom in terms of it being the price paid for our forgiveness, it really brings a greater understanding to what happened on the cross and why Jesus had to go to the cross to save us. The first thing it reveals is the extent of God's suffering. Because God didn't have a physical body, we were never able to see just how much he suffers. 
the, the, the prophets understood this a little bit. They, they, they had this connection with, the, with God and they were able to understand and convey his suffering to the world through their writings. But until Jesus came in the flesh, we couldn't really grasp how much the injustice and the brutality and the evil of this world was affecting God as well. When Jesus came in the flesh, the, the, the number one term that the gospel writers to describe Jesus was compassionate. When, when Jesus looks at the, the crowds, he's moved in his inmost being with compassion because he sees their suffering. When Jesus goes to the cross, the, the, the suffering is, is personified. It's, it's demonstrated in the most powerful way possible. We see physically in a human being the impact of betrayal. We see physically in a human being the impact of gross injustice. We see physically in a human being the impact, the suffering involved with the cruelty of torture. We see in a human being what God feels all the time. And because for the first time we can understand more what the suffering of God is like and the, what, what it's costing him to, to be grieved by this world, what Jesus says on the cross takes on a whole new meaning as well. As Jesus is, is hanging there, he says as the soldiers gamble for his clothes, Father, forgive them. Those words could not be spoken by a man sipping a cup of tea and reclining on a lounge chair. Those words had to be spoken by a man, an innocent man, who was being brutally tortured and murdered in front of a mocking crowd. It was only there that the meaning of God saying to us, I am willing to forgive you for anything, even this, even this, I'm willing to forgive you. And this understanding of, of ransom means that we understand what the purpose of God's suffering on the cross was. It was all about forgiveness. It was all about ending the cycle of evil. As Jesus hung on the cross, he received the very worst that human beings could throw at him. The injustice, the, the brutality, the mockery, the slandering, the sacrilege. And he absorbed it. There was no call for revenge. There was no threats. There was no counter-obscenities. He just absorbed it. The evil of the world went into his heart as surely as the sword pierced his side. And there was no response. Scott Peck, in his his book, The People of the Lie, says, the healing of evil can only be accompanied by love, accomplished by love. A willing sacrifice 
is required. The healer must sacrificially absorb the evil. And that is what Jesus did on the cross. He paid the price for forgiveness for you and me, for the whole world. And in doing so, he put an end to the cycle of violence, the notion of hurt and payback. And so that clearly has implications for us as we we carry our cross, doesn't it? An understanding of the cross of Christ as a ransom that needed to be paid for the forgiveness of our sins changes the way we live. It's the, the only reasonable response is that in light of the great price that God has paid for our forgiveness, that we become willing to pay the small everyday prices needed to maintain relationships with those around us. In light of the the, the great price that God has paid to forgive us and the the suffering he has experienced because of the sin of the world and, and our sin, it means that when our brothers or sisters hurt us, we give up our our righteousness. We give up our self-righteousness. We give up our pride. We even give up our pain and we forgive for the sake of relationship. In our families, with our spouses, with our friends, in our workplaces, even in our church. The understanding of the cross as a ransom paid for sin means that we We are inclined, we are compelled to forgive and pay the small price for forgiveness. And that is so powerful. That's what changes the world, you see, because as, as I reflect upon the fact that Jesus absorbed all the evil and and Jesus accepted the the punishment, paid the price, without demanding restitution, without demanding revenge, without demanding payback, I am then inclined to do the same for those who hurt me. And as those who hurt me receive forgiveness and experience the grace, they pass it on. They forgive others and this is the way that God is transforming the world through Christ as the ransom is paid by person after person after person all the way down the line it's incredibly powerful sacrifice is perhaps the most powerful thing in the universe In the first Harry Potter novel, the evil Voldemort tries to kill Harry. But when his henchman reaches out to to kill him, his hand is burnt and he can't do it. And and later, Harry Potter asks Dumbledore, why is it that Voldemort was not able to touch me? Why wasn't he able to, to hurt me? And Dumbledore explains, your mother died to save you. Love as powerful as your mother's for you leaves its own mark. Not a scar, no visible sign, but to have been loved so deeply, 
will give us some protection forever. You have been loved so deeply. It leaves a mark on your soul. It transforms your life. And when you think about it, the essence of love is sacrifice. When you think back through your life, whether it's been a big thing or a small thing, whenever somebody's love has made an impact on you, whenever it has made a difference on you, whether that be from a parent or a friend or a teacher or a mentor, it has involved sacrifice. Where that person has been willing to pay the price, who has been willing to suffer in your place in some way so that you could be free. And that leaves a mark on your soul. And so I can encourage us as we reflect upon the cross today that we let the love put a scar on our soul. Let it mark us so that we can go forward tomorrow and be able to pay the price of forgiving others because of the price Jesus paid for us. Let's pray. Our Lord, we thank you for the ransom that you paid for us. It blows our mind to try and get a handle on the cosmic consequences of who received the ransom. But one thing we know for sure is that our, our dear Saviour paid the ransom for us. And he paid the ransom with his own life. We thank you that our Lord Jesus has shown to us that you weep too. We pray an awareness of the way that sin grieves you will we'll fill our consciousness. That we'll see that the suffering of, of Christ on the cross, although it, it manifested your own suffering, Lord, it was only the tip of the iceberg. And that any time when anybody in the world suffers injustice or suffers violence or suffers mockery, that you feel it too. We can't even comprehend that, Lord, but we're so sorry. We're so sorry that we contribute to that through our pettiness, that through our treatment of others, we, we add to your grief because you feel it. And Lord, in light of the cost that you paid in forgiving us, Lord, we pray you will move us, that you will scar our hearts so that we too will be moved to love and forgive others just as you've forgiven us. And in doing so, Lord, we pray that you will transform this world, that the ugliness will come to an end, that the payback will come to an end, that there will be peace, that there will be forgiveness. In Jesus' name and in his power we ask this. Amen. Thank you.
Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing, intergenerational, and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.